0: Hello, everyone. My name is Christian. Welcome back to TechPoint. Today our guest is Walter, the commercial director at Unium. Hello. Hello, Christian. Nice to be here. Nice to see you. Please tell us what your company does. Our company, Unium, does
1: uh, B2B software subscription management software, to be more specific. And then I'm talking, of course, about the customer subscriptions, not the supplier subscriptions.
0: That's what we do. What do you see is the biggest problem that you solve?
1: The biggest problem, I think, is uh, for customers that have not the really Netflix type of subscriptions that they're offering, like not the the pick your flavor and move on, but like the negotiated ones. Each customer can be unique. Each customer can come in via reseller, can have different tier based pricing agreed, can have different, you know, customers that have very creative sales teams like us, you know, they make up whatever they need to make up to close a deal. That's what we're here to (laughs) say.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. What are the top three features of the product?
1: I think uh, one is the revenue metrics that come out of all the subscriptions. Two is the billing automation. And three, I would say the revenue recognition handling. But that's more for the techie finance people uh, listening here.
0: Mm -hmm. And what are the use cases of the product? Who who can use it?
1: Um, We are very niched into, so like I said, you need to have some form of advanced uh, customer subscriptions, um, and, uh, we see that mostly in B2B SaaS companies. So we're actually, uh, that's our main target audience as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand. Can you share with us your favorite, uh, success story? So, a ha- uh, happy customer that you helped and, uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh i think uh, yeah it's always hard to pick one but uh, i think uh most recently we signed a record deal and what i really liked about that deal is that they came to us and really said like we didn't look for a subscription management solution because we thought our subscriptions were too complex to automate so we thought we were going to be stuck with just excel spreadsheets and finance systems because we thought like our sales team is so creative no system out there can do this. And that is exactly why we were purpose-built for that. So that was like really feeling like, okay, the the thing we set out to do in 2017, in 2017, we made it, you know, we have that product market fit. So that's, I think my favorite
0: customer success story. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, what do you say are the most important metrics that uh, you should track regarding your pricing?
1: i'm a commercial man myself so i really like to look at the sales magic numbers, so the uh, annual contract value versus the customer acquisition cost to see if we do a profitable job in sales that's something i personally really like in general i think it's good for a saAS company to also have some sort of north star metric right where they uh, really just set a goal like i want to achieve a certain x with my tool i think if you can make that measurable uh, it it's the best metric to get all your business behind it um, and then of course i also really feel that we live in a world where customer success organizations cannot be support organizations so they need to be revenue engines and for that i like lifetime value and net retention to really see like can we also grow revenue on our base so once we sign them can we still do more in- instead of just keeping them in how do we grow i think that's uh, another favorite of mine uh, and an important one
0: I think. Exactly. But h- how important are those and why should companies track them? How it impacts their revenue, their forecasting? No. Tell us more about it, please.
1: I, I think, you know, if you're talking about the SaaS magic number first, uh, I think the um, what is really important is like if you want to go for funding, you know, a lot of SaaS companies want to go for funding and half of the time it looks like it's almost a trend instead of a necessity. Like, oh, I got funded. I got my Series A. And I'm really happy, of course, that that is happening, but sometimes like, did you really do thinking? Can you prove that you are a scalable organization? And one of the things you can really prove that with is that SaaS magic number. So if that is higher than one, you're not a scalable organization. So you can hire all the resources you want in sales and marketing, but it will not give you a payback time of uh, less than a year. And if you have a lower, uh, like an 0.5, then it's really time to invest. So that is really something to really steer your business on. That's why I like the magic number so much because it really tells you can I scale? Am I ready to scale or do I need to work on my foundation? Do I need to check what is not functioning in sales and marketing for me to take that next step? I think so many founders I speak to also are you know, a bit scared of like, oh, but if I get that 1 million, can I get it back and how can I get it back? And that figure will tell you, you can. You know, uh, I think that's why I love that so much myself. Um, so I think that's why that is so important. And then if you look at net retention, why that is report, uh, important, because it means your customer success organization understands your customers. And that comes back in everything that comes back in churn reduction, but that also comes back in things like I understand their process. So we're building the right thing in development for them. So we, we have efficiency in our development engine. It comes back in so many good aspects. So I think net revenue retention would definitely be number
0: two for me. And you said is it really white. well. This pro- this will probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said it really well, and this will probably be a short. <laughs> I really like how you, how you said it. Um, but uh, who invented the magic number, the sus magic number? You invented it? Who invented? No, uh, uh, I, I, don't know who actually
1: did it. Uh, but if I don't know, maybe I can still credit. No, I, I didn't invent it myself. Uh, I, I don't know. A C V. I think uh, originally a lot of people looks at uh, customer acquisition cost versus lifetime value. So, you know, am I profitable based on uh, the, the, so I spent uh, 10 euros in sales. Uh, if I get 20 euros out of my customers, then I am profitable, or I think the ratio should be one to three to be more precise. But um, I think why I like the SAS magic number is because it really focuses more on the short term revenue, because it really tells you about the payback time of your money. Uh, and the the investment speed of that. And I I don't know who invented it, to be honest,
0: but um, I like it either way, whoever invented it. Absolutely. And when do you think uh, companies should uh, pay attention to this number? Starting from day one?
1: Yes, definitely. I think there's a lot of... I mean, lifetime value day one doesn't make much sense because you don't have much customers that generate a lot of lifetime yet. So there's a lot of metrics that come to play later, uh, but magic number from the beginning, uh, how much am I spending to get my customers in versus the revenue they do for me, it's, it's important for, from the day you sign a customer.
0: Uh, I would say, I think it's it's crucial. What are the most common integrations that uh... the most common
1: integrations that we have? Yeah, the most, yeah. Uh, I think the most common integrations are uh, to uh, CRM systems. So, you know, whatever sales then promises in the sales process would then get transferred to Union. So, you know, we synchronize to a HubSpot or to a Salesforce. And then, you know, all the creativeness that sales can put in there, we try to take that information and turn that into a, a subscription that a finance team will understand. And that uh, finance can also invoice with confidence that it it was okay. Um, and that ultimately, of course, the customer gets the invoice that matches the signature that they signed on that piece of paper in the beginning, I think that's that's the most common one. And then of course, also with the accounting systems. So in, in many countries, there's a lot of local finance systems in UK, I think zero is really big. Germany f is really big in uh, North America, QuickBooks is really uh, big. So you know, we integrate to all those tools, uh, to make sure that we also keep the finance administrations in sync so that when something gets invoiced in union that the finance system also knows about it because otherwise auditors come and visit you and they cannot find their information and they will start crying Uh, it's not a fun time (laughs) those are the most common ones Uh, but Um, also uh, to to add sorry uh, is the uh, SaaS service itself so you see a lot of usage based pricing right in the market so you know there's maybe a setup fee at the beginning, there's a recurring fee throughout the subscription, but maybe also some pay as you go fees. So, you know, number of bananas you can eat each month. Uh, that also needs to come from the style service and go into Unim, So, that's also automatically included in the invoicing process. So, those are the, I guess, top three ones,
0: I would say. What is the pricing for uh, Unium?
1: The pricing for Union is we we try to be a value based pricing like that's also a big trend. So you know depending on the revenue you manage with a platform like Union, there's certain tiers linked to that. So it's not like you mm-hmm. have a, a fixed revenue percentage. Like if you have one million revenue, you pay you know three percent something like that. It's not like that. So you have fixed fees. So you have predictability on on when. Um, you know, when you're going to be charged for what, so you can really budget for it. Um, but also uh, we have pricing plans that fit the starter that wants to measure, measure KPIs from the beginning, but we also have, you know, plans that really fit the enterprise businesses that have a bunch of features that they would need that a startup maybe doesn't really care about yet. Uh, and then maybe in uh, like a five years does like, uh, so we have a really nice growth path for our customers. At least I hope so. Uh, I think we went through... Six price iterations in the past seven years, right? We try to always keep optimizing. I think that is important for every SaaS company to always reflect on the pricing and uh, see if you're still doing what your customers expect you to do.
0: And uh, that's what we do as well. And the pricing is the public?
1: Uh, If you Google for it properly, it will be on the website soon. Uh, If you Google for it uh, more than five seconds, you will find it online. It's just not on our website (laughs) yet.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) I understand, but you want to make it public in the the coming future. Yes. So this this is
1: really the pricing model we wanted to test and with the audience, if, is it understandable? How do people react to it in prospect meetings? And then we know, okay, this is, I don't need to do the explanation anymore. People can read it, understand it. Then it can go on the website, right?
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And how competitive is your space? How do you differentiate?
1: So I think um, if, if you Google subscription management solution, you will find a lot of things and a lot of companies. Uh, I think we're really niched into SaaS and into advanced subscriptions. So you know, if a customer comes to us with like you know we have these three flavors that our customers can choose from, we usually try to redirect them to other, uh, yeah, not competitors then, but. Uh, we call them in Dutch, we call them com partners, like, you know, they're competitors, but they're also, you know, uh, not really biting us. Uh, so we usually send them to them. Um, and uh, yeah, if, if we're really into that niche market, we really feel we are standing out uh, in that regard because we're really like purpose-built for this industry. Uh, and uh, I haven't met many that come so close to that uh, yet. Great
0: answer. <laughs> yeah. When did you join the company?
1: Uh, myself i joined in 2020 so uh three years almost so I need to go for retirement soon yeah.
0: <laughs> and are you familiar with the founding story can you share it with us
1: Yes, no, definitely I am. Uh, So uh, the founder story is one of the main reasons why I joined Unium. Uh, I worked at a big finance company here in the Netherlands, also a SaaS company, and uh, where I came across Unium uh, via the network, and um, I heard the founder story, which basically goes like, the founder was looking for a tool like Union at a SaaS company he worked for at the time. And uh, he was looking through the market and, you know, trying to work with solutions that were there and try to customize that in a way that that business model would fit. But not only that, unfortunately, also compromise on the business model in order for the tool to work. Uh, and he says, I don't want to compromise my pricing model because it is what my customers believe in. So uh, then he said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to build it myself. Um, and he did that uh, backed by the CEO of the company he worked for at that time as an angel investor. Uh, so he also believed in that mission. Well, and yeah, and, uh, yeah that, that's like the origin story of Unium. Uh, he he works with uh, uh, the, the CTO. Uh, and as he was like, they were friends. And they were just like developing code from the beginning, two of them together. And uh it's been a hell of a ride. I joined in 2020 when we had, I think, like 30 customers, and we times six that by now. So uh, we're uh, growing really fast. Uh, I'm really happy of, of that. But that is because he really found a good spot in the market. He knew the positioning. He knew the ideal customer profile. And those are such crucial things, ingredient to have in order. Otherwise, uh, yeah, would have been a different yes. different story, I guess. Which you've heard
0: many stories like this uh, in your podcast. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And uh, in what year was it exactly founded? You in know? 20,
1: 2017. Yes. So in uh, the 1st of May, 2017, mm-hmm. uh, Union was really like put on paper that it was an approved uh, company. Uh, and then I think in 2018, we had the code in the place where we could sign a customer that yeah, really was like a co-developer almost to customers, right? The first three, four customers really determine the next phase of your product. So, uh, yeah, we owe it all to them and to many others that we, we got them here. Uh, so 2017, it was founded. 2018 was the first live customers,
0: roughly. And how many uh, people were there at the company when you joined versus uh, now? I'm referring um, to team members.
1: Yes. When I joined, I was employee number 13, one three, uh, and now we are uh, roughly 60. So a bit more. So uh, get a
0: lot more friends here. <laughs> Much awesome. <Most> more friends. <laughs> yeah, and how How do you describe the culture of the company? Um I think um it's it's for me
1: it's the best culture i've had the pleasure to work with it's very open uh all budgets strategies plans everything is on a public shared fold, folder so anybody in the company can see what the actual mission is what the targets are what you know it's really a transparent company which i think helps in establishing a positive culture. But also we invest in culture. So we have uh, culture people that really make sure that there's enough fun activities. We meet as a group because we're an international company. We have an office in US, in uh, Sweden, in the Netherlands. We make sure we meet at least like uh, twice a year all together to just have fun and have some workshops. Um, And uh, I think each Office specifically also takes time to just like have dinners every month together, just just laugh, enjoy time outside of work, really connect on different levels. And uh, for those who have seen us at events, we always uh, wear these pink hats. So we're known as a fun group to hang out with, I think, at SaaS events as well. So um, <laughs> I think the culture, I, I, I got the compliment at least that the culture shines uh, outside of us. So it's really noticeable that we have a good, good team.
0: Uh, and I'm really proud of that. That's awesome. And you mentioned the SaaS events. That was one of my next questions, but uh, let's do it now. What are the, your main strategies for uh, conferences? Because you're probably one of the most uh, seen brands when uh, people <laughs> attend conferences.
1: Oh, that is that is really <laughs> good to hear. My, my uh, VP of marketing colleague uh, will love that. Uh, so I will tell her uh, after this, definitely. But um, I, I think um, we really believe in um, in two things, so we sometimes go to events for brand awareness, right? We are not yet the, I mean, we exist since 2017, so we are not the same name as maybe other companies are. Um, so one one reason, of course, is brand awareness. But for instance, we were also at Sassiest, which where I think I saw you as well in the uh, Malmö this year. Um, yes. And um, yeah. that is, uh, we didn't go there so much for brand awareness because In Scandinavia, we're probably the most known brand uh, of B2B subscription management, and um, we go there because we also believe that SaaS is a good place to hang out with friends and with customers and with other people. It's just a place. It's it's such a massive but super small community, if you know what I mean, right? You probably do. I see. Uh, So (laughs) I think that is also one of the reasons we want to be close to our prospects and to our customers to really just like network and 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 we realize because of that it's also commercially good because when people then ultimately want to go and it's the right time for them to find a solution like Union, they remember us like, "Oh, those are those guys I had so much fun hanging out with. they are nice people, I can trust them i can I think they have something good there and and that like in the long term does a lot. So it's not like we have, we go to an event and we say like, we need three customer contracts by the end of the week. It's really, we know (laughs) this is invaluable and
0: tough to measure, but super valuable to us. Perfectly said. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And uh, what, what was your latest funding round? My latest funding round was a, a mini round, uh, I would
1: say, uh, in, uh, last year, I think in August, September, and, uh, there's probably going to be some funding announcements in the coming, uh, months. So, uh, I'm going to raise some funding in the coming, uh, August, September timeframe will be some announcements. So,
0: um,
1: going to look forward to that. So, uh, that's the next plan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what has been your biggest challenge since joining the company? Um, Biggest challenge is, um, I
1: thought it was going to be COVID because I jumped on board the SaaS trade in union when uh, COVID started. But uh, it really wasn't because SaaS is modern. We sell to SaaS, right? So it's a modern-based thinking groups of people that were meeting. So the online meets didn't matter. Everybody was modern and was making it work. So I think that's that's what I was expected to be a big challenge, but it wasn't. Um, I think it's the, um, more of the economical events of last year where we really had to look like, okay, uh, companies are now struggling. Uh, you know, Things are being reprioritized everywhere. Like, okay, do we need to go for certain solutions? And uh, for a lot of companies, subscription management is still seen as a luxury, not a necessity. So a finance system, everybody needs to have. CRM, everybody needs to have. Union subscription management, yeah, it will help a lot, but is it for today, right? Those kind of things and struggles is, is probably what uh, was a bit tough last year, but when we finally realized, you know, we're actually enabling these companies to still get the funding they wanted to still, because you know, when you go for a funding round, you need to have a good due diligence, you need to have a good enterprise value, and how do you do that? you have your books in order and you have good SaaS metrics. And we realized we actually helped those people still get the same amount of funding as they would have done in 2021. And when we got into like, okay, that should be our message as well, outbound, that's when things went back up again. So um, it's uh, that was, I think the biggest struggle, but we reco- recovered from it really well, I can say. So that's uh, good.
0: That's a great uh, solution. (laughs) And (laughs) what what was your biggest mistake? My biggest mistake, personally? Yeah. Yeah. um, I
1: think uh, my biggest mistake is that I, at a few points in my career at Junium, thought I knew answers to messaging. Like, how do we do outreach? I think I had three or four moments at my time at Junium where I thought, I know what the message should be and then every time it keeps changing because the world keeps changing and when you get too comfortable on like i now know how to position and message union and you get comfortable in that people move on you stick with old messaging and you lose contact you lose uh, getting into dialogues and i think that's my biggest mistake I really thought that too often. I still keep falling for the trap when I see good meeting booked rates and you know all those <laughs> good things. Like, oh, it's going well. I'm getting comfortable. I'm going to move on to different things instead of keeping focus on like, is it still good? And those two months of not focusing on that can really be uh, painful months. So uh,
0: that's it, I think. Yeah, yeah. And what did you say is the most successful go-to-market strategy that you used? Was it? Uh... Outbound,
1: Yeah, Uh, I think outbound, especially in the phase we are in, we we don't have the name that everybody like, oh, okay, I need subscription management, let's Google union directly. We don't have that brand yet. We're still working on that and it's it's greatly increasing. Um, And I think outbound is a successful strategy. And also another thing we did right in terms of go to market is from day one, we decided to be an international company. So we're not going to build something for Scandinavia or for Sweden. We're going to build something for all the world to enjoy. And with that mindset, not only do you meet companies that also want to do that and want to go internationally, that's one benefit. But the other benefit is also your product roadmap from day one is established for that specific thinking. And I think that is, uh, so geographical expansion is our best go-to-market strategy because we knew what we're going to do from day one. It's always tougher if you build something local and then try to take that formula and bring it to
0: another country. That's much more difficult. Absolutely. And what is the vision for the future of the company?
1: The vision in a short term is we want to be the most known brand and like the obvious thing, like, okay, I am a SaaS company. I want to look for a subscription management solution, uh, solution, Union. I'm going to Google Union. I don't even care about anything else. It's like what Netflix was five years ago, right? I want video only month you didn't know about yeah. maybe HBO or something. You go to Netflix, that's what you watch. That's what you hear in movies. And I want to be that for the SaaS industry. I just want to be the no brainer decision for everyone who thinks I have a complex B2B subscription management. I go to Union because they can help me. They have
0: helped so many others. That's what I want to achieve. <laughs> that's a great vision and what do you actually do as a commercial director in your uh, day-to-day um it's uh, i have a bit of a mixed
1: role myself so i'm uh also working on the three-year plans so the long-term strategies of union so where do we go not how do we not only how do we re- generate revenue today but also uh, how do we generate revenue in three years and where do we need to be which markets which things and things like that and uh, that's where I spend a lot of my time on. Uh, But in addition to that, I'm also uh, um, managing the local sales team here in Amsterdam, which is fantastic uh, group of people. Uh, So that's the other half of my day. And I uh, I think at least uh, a third of my week, I spend talking to customers and or prospects. Um, because I just feel that's where the magic happens and they always tell me something new that uh, I think I knew. And then I didn't know. Uh, so it's, it's the best place to be in order for me to also determine what we should <laughs> be doing in three years. Right. So, um, uh, that, that's, uh, kind of how I spend my week roughly.
0: Okay. And how did, how did you start your career? Basically after college, let's say.
1: After college. So, uh, I, I was can can we keep this between us no i'm kidding but uh, i was bad at school uh very bad at school uh i i was a working person <laughs> uh so I, I i worked in a warehouse do uh, to just pick orders and things and then um the yeah i i really worked my way up from there and they saw hey this guy has some some other skills as well let him try some other things and then i could do other things. And then uh, I, I worked myself up all the way from warehouse until product manager. And then I got asked to um, yeah work in the product management team and strategy team of a great uh, big uh, SaaS company here in the Netherlands, which was like massive step for me. Uh, and uh, that was like a big corporate and lots of uh, things to do and that, that had its charm, but I am not much of a good person to follow processes. I'm much too much of a cowboy myself. So then this offer came on the table to join a startup <sighs> where there were no more rules and just like, let's grow, let's get your hands dirty. And uh, and, and I just that appealed to me so much uh, that I couldn't say no to, to Niklas and to Unium. And uh, it's been a best decision of my life, uh, in my career at least, to join Unium.
0: And what would be your best piece of advice for somebody that's looking to quit the corporate world and wants to join a new startup? How can they choose it? How can they do this step? What's yeah. your uh, What's your take on that?
1: I, I think for me, um, so I, I you know you have a lot of people that always want to have their own business at some point in life, right? I want to have my own business, and for me. I know I'm not going to be creative and smart enough to probably come up with a super cool business idea. So I always felt like helping another person to achieve their mission is for me the right answer. And Niklas, uh, our CEO, had the mission, had the ambition, and had the good founder story that I believed in and wanted to join and really felt like, okay, I, I want to be a part of this and I want to help grow this into something massive. And, and that appealed to me so much that i said goodbye to all the good perks because i had like you know company cars and all the the fun salaries and then you join a startup it's it's different life but I come home with a smile. My family enjoys my smile. Uh, my daughter enjoys my smile. It is worth so much to me. I think that is my advice. Go whatever make do whatever makes you happy. And you know, if corporate life makes you happy, for a lot of people that need structure, that is fantastic. But for me, I
0: don't like to play by the rules. I needed to start up. <laughs> <laughs> i i super appreciate that so you let your ego down and you decided well it's better to be a small part of something that's going to be big rather than uh, having uh, yeah you understand what i mean so fantastic i really i really appreciate your mindset and i think uh, more people should should adopt it (laughs) awesome i have one last question for you what's your favorite sas product apart from union
1: Ooh, uh, I think I know the answer to that. Uh, give me one sec. I need to find it. I really like mosaic.tech. Uh, I found the solution recently. Uh, I haven't met the people there. Uh, it's a finance solution, uh, but I really think these guys found something in the finance. They, they don't know about me. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this. Uh, I found them recently, <laughs> and I think they, they found a solution yeah. that is new, uh, and is going to change finance professionals life uh, as much as unim. So I think that's that's a, a tool I really respect.
0: Thank you for sharing. Is there anything else that you want to mention on the podcast today?
1: Uh, no, I'm just really happy to be here and that we got the chance to to finally meet because I see so much about you guys and about TechPol and about you and we, we saw each other at events. So it was, it was high time that we uh, sat down like this. So I
0: really appreciate being here. And that's all. Thank you so much for joining. It is fantastic. And I'm super grateful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.